Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, the largest dealership in Northern Colorado for the past 50 years. Winter is coming. They've got a variety of great all-wheel drive vehicles available to get you around through the snow and the slush, like the Camry, the Highlander, the RAV4, and the 4Runner. Stop on in to check out their large inventory and great prices, and their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. If you're in the market for any new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Canalamessa. Today, I've got my usual co-host, Michael Rowe, and Crackers College Hoops blogger, Steve Ivey, with me. I think uh, all three of us and, and all of Ramland is kind of buzzing from the hoop season opener last night at Moby Arena. The Rams put up a 109 to 80 walloping on Oral Roberts, uh, a team that was just two points away from the Elite Eight in last year's NCAA tournament. Uh, to talk about that today, we're also going to be welcoming in CSU junior point guard Isaiah Stevens in our second segment. We'll talk to him about the game and, and the season to come. But wowza, boys, uh, when's the last time we, we put up 109 on a team in a regulation contest? I know that we had that triple overtime win at Tulsa a few years ago, but uh, 109 in, regu- in regulation was, was pretty amazing. I, I read that it was the fifth highest score in school history. Uh, love to get your thoughts. Uh, I unfortunately had to watch uh, at, from home and uh, had a pretty funny setup because I – all day yesterday, I was looking at a way that I could record on Stadium. And you, we, I can't. I have the app on Roku. Um, and then I didn't see any way that I was going to be able to watch on demand. So I set up a chair with my laptop in front of uh, on it in front of the TV. And I Zoom recorded it so that I could go back and watch it uh, last <laughs> night because I wasn't going to be there. I wasn't. I wasn't. We had an event last night during the game. So. Uh, turns out there was an on-demand stream link that I found this morning, but uh, last night when I got home, I watched this totally rigged up uh, <laughs> version of the, of the video, and 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 uh, it worked okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, w- want to hear how it was in person, Mikey? I want to hear from you first. Um, I you know I get to go see a lot, but I want to hear what your impressions were, especially for a guy who's making a, a pretty significant drive up from the Denver metro area. And just walk through kind of what your your experience was like uh, the whole day yesterday. I'd love to hear. So, um, so yesterday was was my daughter's sixth birthday, and so we we came up for the game. It was it was kind of her birthday present, and I just I mean not being able to go since you know 2020. I mean it was it's been since March of 2020 since we've been able to get into Moby. And just to walk in and, and that feeling, you know, we went to we went to Crazy Carl's before the game, sponsored at CSU Athletics. But we went to Crazy Carl's and just had a good time. And, and But just walking from there to Moby, like you could just feel it. You just felt this buildup. And once we got once we got to Moby, went into the uh, into the loft, which I got to say, I like it. Uh, new signage, all new TVs in there, um, kind of a new, just a new setup. And you just felt the energy, like just in there. And, but what was awesome is at tip off, everyone was going to their seats. That hasn't been something that we've seen 
that we, I mean, we definitely don't see it at canvas and, and just, we didn't see it, you know, the last season with, with fans and from start to finish, there were 7,000 plus that were just so into this game and so behind our players, every basket, every exciting fast break, every big rebound that we got, every sweet pass that we made, the fans were there and they were just so excited and, and just so loud. It was, to me, it was, you know, the orange out against San Diego state is probably my favorite game ever. Uh, the late bucket by Dorian against CU to finish them off is up there, but I mean, it was awesome last night. It just, it meant so much. I think for the program to have the fans back and it meant so much for our fans to have that kind of a product that we could just be behind. Yeah. They said, uh, Great thoughts, Mike. But they said there were what seventy two hundred eighty seven fans in attendance. It's the 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 most we've had at Moby in five years. So that was a great sign to see people excited about hoops early on in the season. You know, I wanted to pipe in on the uh, kind of the the energy of the crowd. Um, last year, I was very appreciative that I got to at least see the uh, that, that Joel was kind enough to set up. Uh, set me up to be able to uh, cover the team for RamNation.com uh, Ram with uh, full media credentials. And I got to attend games, but um, Joel, I, I, I know you and Mike have heard this from me. It wasn't all that exciting. Um, I got to see the team. I got to cover the team, but quite frankly, um, it was not a fun thing to do because it was so quiet. And it was so cold in there. There was absolutely no energy. The players had to create all the energy. And that's not college basketball. College basketball is about the players. It's about the fans. It's the interaction of the two. And when you have a good crowd, you also get a lot of heat in the, in the arena. And it was hot. It was sweaty. It was fun. And, and to me, that was... That was, uh, you know, the, the, the great way of making the transition through the, the horrible COVID year with no fans was last night. Things changed for me. Um, I'm back to sitting in my regular seats, seven rows right behind the CSU bench, writing the blog uh, from my seats as opposed to feeling constrained in the media section. Um, last night was just an absolute blast. We, you guys have seen the team up close and personal. You've been to some practices, Steve. And, and you know, I, I remember being down near the court uh, for the, the scrimmage they had during uh, was that homecoming. Um, that was uh, that was my first glimpse of seeing how much bigger and stronger this team seems to have gotten. They must have hit the weight room pretty hard in the offseason. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a big difference. Um I've talked to other people, um, and everybody notices it when they see them. Uh, my son went to the game last night. He goes, holy moly, they're a lot bigger. He goes, even Isaiah's bigger. I said, yeah, they're all. The only one is Kendall. Uh, Kendall will never weigh more than 150 pounds, I don't think. he. I don't know how much he eats, but it's probably plenty. That's just the way his body type is. But every one of those other guys um, is so much bigger. And, um, you know, we talked to Nico about that last time when we had him on the on – the, on the, uh, on the, the Ram Nation uh, podcast, whether that was uh, just part of their natural development or whether that was part of uh, part of an intent based on some things they ran into last year. And there was a lot of intent. And so 
Uh, Jason Phillips does all their uh, strength and conditioning. He is a fantastic, not just great at strength and conditioning, but a great guy. If you ever get a chance to talk to him, a, a tremendous attitude and whatever. But man, they are bigger. And it shows with guys um, like Tanji, Isaiah Rivera, and uh, Thomas and Moores are both way bigger. Dishon Thomas, especially. He's bigger, stronger, and you can see the confidence growing in him as a result of. Uh, how much he's, how far he's come physically. Yeah. You know, I mean, you said it, you, you look at this team, they're cut. I mean, they, they, they're cut. Like, you know, Roddy's always a big guy. You know, he's always been the big guy, you know, it, it's the COVID year. Everyone had, uh, you know, the, those COVID LBs. Um, but he looks like he's trimmed up. Like he, I mean, again, he's just a big guy. He looked like he's trimmed up and, and you, you just brought up Thomas. You know, last night he was he did some things that I I had never seen him do before in in the, the previous two years, and and you brought it up on your blog. He was the highest rated recruit that CSU had from that class with with him and and Tanjay and Roddy and Stevens. He was the highest rated one. I, you know, he was long time committed to to Nevada, and then when the coaching change happened, when Musselman left, you know. Uh, he lost his his scholarship opportunity with them, and that's how he ended up at CSU. But last night, he took it inside, and there was a couple plays where he lowered his shoulder and forced his, forced his way inside to get an easy bucket, and we have not seen him do that. You know, he had a double-double, 16 and 10, and he was strong. He was strong on the boards. And, and strong inside and doing what he always did before. I mean, he hit a couple threes from outside, great from the free throw line. His development last night, just seeing from last night, is going to be huge, especially when we face some of these teams with, with bigger guys, uh, you know, in the middle. We're going to need that. We're going to need that strength of, of getting those boards. Somebody besides, <clears throat> besides Arati uh, underneath, you know, getting those for us. And I, you know, I'm excited about him and Moore's, you know, he didn't play as much last night as, uh, as kind of, as, uh, as I hoped, but we didn't need him to, I mean, cause Thomas was just, I mean, do such a great job. You know, we didn't need both of them out on the floor. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited about what we have underneath. Yeah, you know, in terms of Morris, you know, Morris is bigger and stronger too. I heard he was he got up to about 260 pounds in the offseason with all of his working out. 6'10, 260. He's he's not quite as tall, but he's as big as Colton Iverson was. Um, and he's still young, still developing. Um, but the you know, the one thing you mentioned, uh, we didn't need him last night. That's actually a, a, an incredible strength of this team is they chose to match up with smaller players. I, I don't know if you remember, but there was a point in the first half where James was in the game and he was just a tad late on a closeout on a big who could shoot a three. And uh, the big made the three and James went to the bench. And it wasn't because of lack of effort or lack of trying. It's just he's big and strong and better in the paint than he is on the uh, on the uh, on the perimeter. And uh and it was all about matchups yesterday. They started small. Uh, they uh, obviously Dishon came in to play more in the second half because of uh, Roddy uh, suffering from back spasms. But they played small lineups pretty regularly, and that was to make sure they took the perimeter away from Oral Roberts, who was a dynamite team from out there. 
So that was and, uh, and that. You you brought it up with with Rivera. Um, I mean, the guy kind of did everything, you know, and, and he, he got about 10 minutes, eight, nine, 10 minutes last night, but he was all over the place. I mean, he had eight points playing tough defense on, on that guard trio of, of uh, Oral Roberts and, you know, a couple blocks, like he was, he was moving, he was moving his feet and he just looked more fluid on the floor compared to last year. You know, and, and Nico said this. He's like, when, you know, you looked at Isaiah, you know, as a true freshman coming in, he didn't get to come in in the summertime and, and, and play with those guys. He didn't have those early practices that you normally get as, as a true freshman coming into a program. And he mentioned, he's like, we're going to see a lot of growth with Rivera. And we saw it last night. It, you know, I was, I was impressed with everybody that saw the floor. Baylor Hebb came in. Uh, for a few meaningful minutes um, in that second in the start of the second half and scored a bucket like like didn't look lost in the flow didn't look like he was overmatched uh, at all in, in, in that situation I'm excited one through 14 every guy on, on in the program you know I'm, I'm excited about what's going on in CSU basketball you know you mentioned uh, Baylor Hab. Um the more you see him with the practices I go to, the more that guy, that kid grows on you. He's, he's got that kind of gym rat feel to him. Um, and he's a lot, he's a lot more polished than you might think. The, the hoop he scored last night with the kind of the Euro step uh, yep. rising up, shooting about an eight footer. He does that all the time in practice. I mean, that wasn't out of nowhere. The kid has a lot of, a lot of game to him. He's our 11th player. I mean, he was recruited by Loyola of Chicago, for God's sake. They were a Sweet 16 team last year. He got some minutes with them as a freshman. The kid is a player. He's our 11th guy. And, and the fact that he can come in and be productive, he was good uh, on both ends of the floor. They can run the offense with him smoothly. And uh, obviously, he knows how to guard. So, um, you know, it's it's an incredibly flexible team in terms of the lineups they can throw at you you know Heb was important to give those extra minutes uh with Kendall being out that's why he came in I'm not sure how much we're going to see him but lord knows when you get a little injury like that it's nice to have a player number 11 who can come in and give you you know six really good minutes when you need it you're talking about more being out you know we saw we saw the the start of Jalen Lake's career you know this is a true freshman out of out of the Dallas Fort Worth area. I did not realize how long this kid is, you know, and, and he, he was going straight up with Abrams, you know, as soon as he came in, his first minutes are with the defending NCAA scoring champion. And he's going toe to toe with him. And, and we didn't miss a beat, you know, Kendall Kendall's obviously our best, probably our best defensive guard on the team, like he's a tough kid and moving his feet. And, you know, when you lose him and again, like I said, that, that trio of guards that they had, when he goes out that quickly, you know, you kind of get a little nervous and he came in and was forcing, forcing those guards with bad shots. And, you know, that's why Oral Roberts was so, so bad from the perimeter because of, I think their length, was forcing shots, was, was forcing them to change their, their motion. And I mean, that's why we saw 
that that stretch where we went from tied down a little bit to blowing it up to 10 point lead. So I, I could talk a little bit about Lake. I've seen him in practice. That Friday practice I went to last week, uh, there was a real eye opener um, when they did their. I didn't. I didn't talk about this in my blog, but in the twenty minute scrimmage, you know, they went back and forth. They moved players back and forth, green and gold. But um, for the last few minutes, the small ball lineup that we started last night played against all the other guys, and they had a lead. Uh, in the last two minutes, uh, and that lead melted and turned into an overtime game, which the which the gold team won, um, and uh, and Jalen Lake hit two huge threes to bring them all the way back to it uh, to send a, a twenty minutes uh, intra squad scrimmage into an overtime. The kid has tremendous offensive game. He saw it. He, he saw it in the mid range yesterday. He's got all kinds of stuff that he can do with pull ups and runners and that. His defense, he's way ahead of where I thought he'd be defensively, and that's why he's getting minutes. And I, there's a lot of confidence uh, in the, uh, that the staff has in Lake. They put him on the floor yesterday, and as you said, he drew Azmus right away, and he's guarding him. And, yeah, he got beat a couple times when he got tired. Um, you can see he was tiring a little bit, but those first three or four minutes he was out there, he was fantastic. And it's like, yeah. holy moly, this is an underdeveloped freshman. Wait till he's, you know, wait till two years from now. You're looking at, and I put in my blog, that's that's an all MW, that's all Mountain West Conference player coming up in a couple of years yeah. once he uh, once he fills out. He's going to be a tremendous player. There's a reason he was recruited by Oklahoma State. You had some great commentary in your blog uh, today about uh, Tanjay as well. Um, obviously, with his game high thirty one points was was a, a, a highlight of the night. Um, you know, he's a guy that you're used to giving you a spark off the bench. It, man, that was an amazing performance. I, I I thought what Nico said after the game was 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 neat. He you know he said basically he goes up against Roddy every day in practice, so he's used to banging. He's used to defending a guy like that. He said, basically, if you if you can do it against him, you could do it against anybody. So, uh, do you do you see that him being a doing that kind of thing more more often than not, or was that kind of a that how the game unfolded for him? Well, I'll tell you, if he scores thirty one a game, he's going to lead the nation. So, I don't think uh, I don't think that's in the cards. Uh, I'm a little surprised he got the thirty one, but it wasn't like he forced any shots. He's very capable of scoring 20 points. I think 20, you know, and he's very capable of, of averaging in double digits. I'm not sure how much he's going to start versus come off the come off the bench. You know, getting back to the thing about going against Roddy, if you came to the the scrimmage uh, that homecoming uh, that day of the homecoming football game, um, he took on Roddy once. They drove and beat him to the basket. He and he muscled his way past Roddy. I've seen it happen in practice all the time. Those two go at it. And they are not afraid of each other. And there aren't many guys that will go against uh, David Roddy. You see it on the one-on-one. -on -one. There's a lot of double teams when he's playing opponents. There's not a, not a lot of guys that can man up with him. Uh, John is fearless, and, uh, and he's not afraid to go at him. And, uh, and that's certainly uh, helped in his uh, development. Um, in my blog, I talked about how I started talking to John two years ago when he came as a freshman. I told him, you got the body. You just need to develop. By the time you're a junior, you'll look like a Big Ten uh, shooting guard. And, uh, boy, he sure looked like a Big Ten shooting guard last night. Hey, what were your yeah. thoughts on, on, uh, on Thistlewood? Um, you know, he, he played 20-something 20, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, and uh, I think he put up one shot. So I thought that was a little odd. I mean, he's, he's usually your – your gunslinger, what, was that just kind of the flow of the game thing or what would you attribute that to? 
I, I think that, you know, if he's there, um, if you look at him, he's, his role has changed a little bit, um, but he's still ready to shoot threes from the corner. Um, he's there to be a, a defensive player, and he's turned into a very good defender, very smart, very uh, active, um, very hard to beat going to the basket. He's a better rebounder. And he can still shoot, you know, one, uh, I think teams, he's in the scouting report to just people or teams are running out and they're taking that away from him. The other thing is he did have an injury in the off season and he had a, his thumb was wrapped up on his right, on his shooting hand. Um, he's not a hundred percent. And so he's out there and that I probably think part of the reason he's not shooting as much is because he's not quite a hundred percent there, but he did the other things really, really well last night. And, that's an important, uh, important 20 minutes that he, uh, that he gave us. You know, he had some big boards last night and you start seeing that change in his game late last season where he really was more, it seemed like it was folks more on, on playing defense and as, as well as getting those rebounds. And, and we saw it last night and the best thing is he's not a kid that's going to be worried about it. You know, you get some kids that, you know, you're, you're like the three point specialist, you know, you're, you're getting the ball and you're shooting and you're shooting and you're shooting until you start making. And then if you're making it, you keep shooting. He doesn't have to be that. And he doesn't care that he's not that, you know, some of those kids, some kids would have had their heads down last night, 30 point win. And they would have been like, I got one shot off, not him. And I, and I, and I love that. I love that about this team because it is about this team. So, you know, you talk about you talk about that and the uh, the selflessness. And I think that's one of the great qualities of this team. And I'm going to I'm going to point to a game that happened last night uh, uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, Nebraska got beat by Western Illinois last night at home. They continue to struggle. They had two guys that scored 25 points that got their shots. Guess what? They lost. Right. Um, that's you see a lot of programs like that where guys go into bigger programs and they got all this wonderful skill, but it's all about getting theirs, and it's not about the team getting uh, getting the W. And I think our guys are recruited with uh, and recruited and developed to think very differently. It is, you know, when you hear team together, that's not a that's not a lie. That's a that's a that's an attitude and a mentality of the group, and uh, they are very focused on the on the team success. And you can see it the way they react on the bench when somebody does something really well. They're a hundred percent behind them. So, yeah, you talked about this in your your blog also, uh, the the focus on defense and, and you walking into a practice and watch watching the, the team work on, you know, shutting down Aceness, which the offense runs through so much of their offense runs through. Uh, they gave up 80 points, but held held Oral Roberts to 39 percent um, from the floor, 30 percent from behind the three point arc. Uh, as you said, Asim's had had 20 points. Uh, he was eight of 22 shooting. Um, what was it, to Steve and, and Mike, that being seeing that game in, per, in person that uh, that gave, you know, gave that defensive spark or what, what attributed to that uh, that great performance defensively? Um, I think we were able to throw a lot of different players at Asim's. Um and, you know, it started with Isaiah. Um, but if you watch, they're, they're, they're doing intelligent switching at the top. So you, you always saw with whoever got switched on, it was usually a guard. So you'd see uh, Kendall or you'd see Chandler or you'd see Jalen. 
Um, but the point is they kept on throwing more and more defenders, uh, you know, they, different players. And, you know, I, to Azemus' credit, I mean, he handled it pretty well. Um, that wasn't a great game for it. He handled it pretty well. But, you know, when you change from a – think about this. You go from a 5'10 Kendall Moore who's quick as a cat um, to – a 6'3 Chandler Jacobs who weighs 200 pounds to a long 6'4 <laughs> Jalen Lake and then to an Isaiah Stevens who is just rock solid at uh, six foot and, you know, 180, 185 pounds. Four different, four very different styles that he had to deal with. Um, but, you know, in my blog, I tried to cover, I, I, I don't even know if I did it justice to the level of detail that they went into at that, at the practices to get ready for him. It was outrageous. Um, it was so complex. Uh, you know, I actually had somebody come up to me. I didn't talk about this in the blog, but at the end of practice, I said, you're not going to write about this before the game, are you? And I said, absolutely not. Don't worry about that. I think they were a little concerned. I don't know if you saw the Channel 9, uh, Channel 9 photo- uh, video for videographer uh, tweet that uh, had a, they did a video on James Moores and his sister. But they also showed a picture at a practice and it showed the guys in the uh, red practice jerseys with the numbers on them. And it was almost it's the kind of stuff you don't do in a practice. You don't talk about it in the general public. So I was uh, committed to secrecy. But if you saw the level of detail that they were going through, they were going through every possible set. They were going through who was setting the screen. Don't be afraid. And it was funny. I, I, the one thing I remember, they said. Hey, if 22 comes out and set a screen, make sure as Hazemus gives up the ball, we'll let 22 shoot all day. And 22 shot over five yesterday from the perimeter. That, that level of detail, if they run the screen here, this is how we're going to cover it. If they run the screen here, this is how we're going to cover it. And and what's amazing is that they grasped it so easily. I, you know, I, it would make it would have made your head spin to see the level of detail they were getting into. The other thing I didn't mention in the blog, and I don't have this 100% confirmed, but I have it about 99% confirmed. They got a lot of help from Eric Musselman. I think Nico talked to Eric Musselman at Arkansas who played uh, who played Oral Roberts last year in the NCAA tournament. I think Musselman gave him some ideas for how to best uh, defend Aismas. Even though Arkansas struggled with them, I think that was uh, – a very important factor in uh, in yesterday's uh, yesterday's great defensive performance. Well, the other thing is he, he didn't go to the line. You know, one of the things is 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 he he picks up those fouls and he didn't do that last night. We didn't send him to the line. I thought our defense was great by moving their feet and and, and not getting stuck and just reaching out and grabbing like like a lot of players do whenever they're facing somebody that might be quicker. Um, just sees the fo- sees the floor a little bit different. Our guys were in defensive position on him the whole time. Whether he was was setting up to shoot outside, he was one for nine from three, or whether he was driving, he was driving the lane, and they were sliding their feet. They were moving with him, and, and they weren't slapping. They weren't reaching. They were always in perfect position to contest every shot that he made, and they weren't sending him to the line. Absolutely. I know that was in Ted. I talked to Nico after the game. They, they talked very much about not putting him on the line because the guy's basically a 90% free throw shooter. You put him on the line 10 times, you're giving him nine points. Um, the one thing, you know, you talk about staying in front, moving your feet. I don't know if you noticed this, Mike and, and Joel. Um, if you noticed as the game went on, 
Um, they wore him out. They wore Azemus out enough where he wasn't getting all the way to the backboard. He was forced to pull up about eight feet away. And I've got to tell you, he had a couple of incredible shots. He hit a, a lefty from about 10 feet high off the glass. But in the second half, did you notice him stopping about eight feet away, trying to shoot a runner? And Deshaun got him once. James got him once. Block shots. Um, he was having a hard time. So no fouling and then keeping him from getting all the way to the glass. It, it, the second half was a, was a master class. They held him to, what, five points in the second half, I think? Yep. Yeah, I, I think that last block was the last play that he was on the floor, wasn't it? Like, Because he, he didn't play the last almost 10 minutes, it seemed like. Yeah, I think he went out. I think he went out at either a timeout that they took or at the under eight timeout. But yeah, they basically pulled him because they realized <laughs> I think it was pretty much over and there was nothing to be gained by keeping him out there. The other thing that worked in their in, in CSU's favor, um, we're a devastating transition team. And uh and by getting Aismas to penetrate but shoot those runners and high off, you know, high up and leading to nice rebounds, did you see the number of three on twos that we had coming the other way? Oh yeah. And this team, they they live they live to be in a three on two situation, and you know it. When you get Isaiah Stevens the ball in the middle of a three on two, you know there's going to be either he's either going to get all the way to the rim or he's gonna he's gonna pass to somebody in the corner. Rivera hit a beautiful wide open three yesterday off of a three on two. That was the epitome of CSU and uh, that's them in transition. And that's, that's also what worked in there. The defensive job they did on Azemus finally started creating that in the second half. And all of a sudden you went from a, a seven point game to a 27 point game. It was pretty incredible how quick that happened. Yep. So we're going to welcome in uh, Isaiah here in a few minutes, but uh, Steve, just curious, uh, is to how 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 much of that Oral Roberts team did they have coming back from last year, I and mean, what what can you gauge from this win against that team? They're not they they did lose some, right? They're, they didn't. It's not the same three team. Starters, that three starters, uh, a few bench players. They added two really good transfers. If you notice, two of their good perimeter shooters. One uh, one was a transfer from Oklahoma, Phipps. Uh, and then the other guy whose name escapes me is a transfer from Vanderbilt who began his career at Kansas. He left Kansas when Kansas was going through all those probationary talks, um, but good enough to be a recruit by Kansas, uh, a <laughs> top player. Um, so they recruited two, but they lost uh, They lost a really good big who could shoot threes, uh, Kevin O'Banner, um, who was a 15, 18 point a game guy, an eight rebound kind of guy, kind of guy. And I, I think they, they took a little step back with him and they're, they're, they're not quite where they were last year. They might get as good by the end of the year once they get those, those new guys integrated, but th they're not that much different than they were last year. They're still a very, very dangerous team. And I would expect them to do, uh, to do really well in the, uh, in the summit league. They have a couple of you know, North Dakota state, South Dakota state as their competition, but they will be a dark horse to win the, uh, to win the uh, uh, summit league. All right, we're going to bring on Isaiah Stevens in a second. Just a reminder to get yourself to Mighty River Brewing Company. They have 15 beers on tap, including the Autumn River Pumpkin Ale. It's a great fall beer. They've got $5 beers on Mondays and Tuesdays, brewery bingo, and pr with prizes that include free beer, coupons, gift cards, uh, plus food trucks regularly throughout the week and live music. So stop in, say hi to Dan Miller, longtime Ram Nation guy, longtime CSU Ram fan. Don't forget to show Ram Nation on your phone and get a dollar off your beer. Support these guys. They've got great beer. They're a great business uh, and great CSU supporters. 
All right, let's welcome in CSU junior point guard Isaiah Stevens, who helped direct a 29-point blowout of Oral Roberts last night. Isaiah, thanks so much for joining us. I, I think outside of uh, Joe Parker, our, our athletic director, who joins us once a month, you're the only repeat guest that we've had on this podcast. So we appreciate you, bud. Thanks, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me again. A little, uh, little extra pep in your step at practice today after last night's win, or are you, you know, it's early in the season. You're still shaking off that fatigue. Uh, a little bit early in the season. Uh, still knocking some of the, uh, I don't want to say rust, but just some of that getting back into the floor, playing actual games, the intensity level, uh, kind of takes a toll on the body. So just making sure that we stay ahead of that curve and stay hydrated, stay stretched, and uh, all that different stuff. And so today was pretty good. Got a sweat going. But uh, for the most part, it was fairly light. Hey, do you guys do a good job, you know, on your own as players of staying grounded after a win like that, you know, keeping like a workman, workman-like attitude towards getting back to work the next day? Or, you know, do, you, do the coaches have to kind of get on you a little bit with some friendly reminders? Uh, I feel like for the most part, especially with the group we got, uh, we typically uh, stay grounded and move on to the next game. Uh, we enjoy it for the time being, but the minute we start talking about another opponent, uh, you gotta you gotta forget about what just happened in the previous game, and so I feel like we did a pretty good job of that today. Uh, after we got done watching the film from last night, as we move forward to Arkansas Palm Blue. I know Coach Medved was a little concerned, uh, knowing we were gonna have a pretty big crowd. He was a little concerned you might uh, you might the team might be a little too hyped up playing in front of a big crowd. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you? Did you feel any of that, or what was it like playing in front of a near sellout last night? I know that's really the first time you've had a chance to do that at Moby. Yeah, for sure. Uh, man, that was extremely fun. And I feel like that's really the only way I can put it. Uh, by far the most electric crowd that I can recall uh, playing in front of at Moby. And uh, all in all, we were a little hyped up early on. And I feel like it showed our first two possessions might have been turnovers. But uh, all in all, like I feel like once we really settled into the game, we were really able to start executing. And, man, we had fun out there. And I feel like that showed in our play. So, you know, both Kendall and David went down uh, early with injuries last night. What was the mentality of the team after losing those key players? And, and what has changed from the years past? You know, your first two years in the program, losing a Moore and a Roddy um, would have made not only winning, but crushing a Sweet 16 team extremely difficult. Uh, definitely. Those two guys going down definitely hurts for sure. But uh, we have a not a, really a next man up, but a next man in mentality, you know. And we got guys from top to bottom that can really, really, really play, man. And a lot of talent, a lot of competitiveness, a lot of uh, pride in what we got going. And so uh, when those two guys went down, uh, I don't feel like we necessarily missed a beat as far as like our attention to detail, uh, our tempo, our execution. Uh, I feel like we were still very sharp on both ends of the floor, uh, even when those two guys went down. And so uh, I feel like if those two guys stay in, then uh, it very well could have been the same thing. We could have been just as sharp, just as effective. But uh, like I said, it's more of a next man in than a next man up because everybody on our team can really play. You know, how are they feeling today at practice? Uh, all in all, I feel like everyone's been pretty solid. Uh, got some guys getting some treatment, but – uh, nothing too bearing to the point where it's like anyone's going to miss any extended time or anything like that. And so I feel like everyone should be good to go moving forward. Even even Kendall was all right. 
Uh, Kendall was all right. Uh, I don't know exactly what they plan to do uh, as far as like his next couple steps, but uh, whether they want to play him or rest him or just kind of save him or whatever the case may be. Uh, but from what I could tell, he looked pretty solid, but I don't make those decisions. So uh, I'll leave that up to Coach Medved. So last night, I mean, there was obviously uh, the, the quality of the team's play in the second half was, uh, was really uh, high level. But I thought the play of the game last night was uh, when John was on the right wing and he ripped a pass to you all the way over in the opposite left corner. Um, I described it in my blog as a BB. <laughs> uh, but I'd love to get uh, you. You caught it, drove baseline, dished to DT for a, for a dunk. Tell me your perspective on that play and how uh, and how it unfolded from uh, from your perspective, because I thought it was just unbelievable basketball. Uh, for sure. Nah, phenomenal play all in all. And it started with John. Uh, and those are the passes that, uh, especially the pass that he made, those are the passes that we work on all the time, man. I feel like that's just a key uh, tribute to the development that he's made. Because uh, a couple years ago, I don't know if John would have made that pass or been able to make that pass, but uh, those are the kind of plays that we rep and we work on. And so uh, when it came to me, I just wanted to be aggressive, attack a closeout. And then just read it from there. Uh, Deshaun's man stepped up, and I was able to dish it off for him for a pretty electric play that definitely uh, kept the energy going in Moby. I saw a huge smile on your face after that play too. You <laughs> knew you, you knew you that was uh, Isaiah Stevens at his best, didn't you? <laughs> Absolutely not. That was a that was a fun game, man. I love being able to set up my teammates for easy plays, man, and especially if you could cap it off with a dunk. That that definitely brings mm -hmm. a smile to my face. Uh, did, did the pass surprise you at all? Because, you know, I had actually where I sit, I sit kind of right behind the team bench and I had an incredible angle. I have no idea how that ball got to you. I mean, it was so marginally close to about three pairs of defensive hands. Did you did you really see the ball well or was it was it something that was just, you know, did it require you to be have the skills of a wide receiver, that kind of stuff? <laughs> Man, well, uh, I feel like most wide receivers are as good as their quarterback. And, man, he put the ball right on the money. Uh, I didn't have to do a whole lot of extra stuff. John made a phenomenal pass, man. One hand, didn't have to uh, bring his other hand to it and was able to whip it across right on the money. And so uh, I give him a lot of props for setting up that play. And he doesn't get credit for that in the stat book necessarily. But uh, I don't get the assist and Deshaun doesn't get the bucket without him being uh, as unselfish as he was right there. Uh, you mentioned the two turnovers in the first two possessions, Isaiah, uh, but the team only finished with three, uh, had three the rest of the way, right? So last last year, it seemed like we struggled with turnovers a little bit. Um, I assume this has kind of been an emphasis, and it's probably always been an emphasis, but what do you attribute such a clean play to last night? Man, uh, I think you hit it right on the head. It's definitely been an emphasis our entire offseason. Uh, we've had some ups and some downs with it, some growing pains, just becoming more disciplined, more sound. Uh, because we know how skilled we are offensively. Uh, we're very talented, and so why not just try to get a shot up as much as possible, right? We got uh, one through five that can dribble, pass, shoot. And so we typically was hurting ourselves uh, by turning the ball over so so much. And so uh, we definitely started implementing some different kind of punishments within practice and stuff like that just to get guys more mindful of taking care of the basketball. And I feel like yesterday we showed that when we take care of the ball and we turn those into shot attempts, uh, it might not be 109 every night, but we'll definitely be able to put up some numbers. 
Now, you know, most fans will look at your uh, 13 and 13 and six, you know, a very uh, solid offensive performance last night. But what impressed me the most from your stat line was one foul. Um, you know, especially considering their trio of guards. You know, what was your and the team's uh, defensive mindset going into last night's game? One where Acemus went eight for 22 and one for nine from, from three. Uh, man, uh, Max is a phenomenal player, man. Can score at all three levels, uh, a deep range threat. And so uh, we knew that we were going to have to extend uh, our point of pickup on him uh, than what we typically would do. But uh, he's extremely aggressive going down kind of like those lane line areas, man, uh, when guys get uh, really extended on the defensive end. And so uh, our biggest thing was just try not to get him on the free throw line and make him score over the top. And so we had some uh, – some good athletic defenders, uh, Chandler, myself, Kendall, Jalen Lake, like we were able to put some different bodies on them and just try to give them different looks. And when he does get downhill, uh, show your hands, chest them, uh, just try to make it as tough as possible because, as you saw, he made some tough finishes, but at the same time we were able to get some blocks and uh, just force some really tough shots over two and three guys. And so uh, I feel like we were able to execute for the most part. It wasn't perfect, don't get me wrong, but for the most part we were able to execute uh, kind of how we wanted to – uh, guard Max, and so uh, definitely a tough cover, but I feel like we did a solid job. Yeah, I I thought you did a fantastic job. I was fortunate enough to come to a practice last Friday, and uh, I got to see the level of preparation you guys were doing to defend him, but I, I thought you guys executed that uh, beautifully. You were very well prepared. Um, you threw the kitchen sink at him, but on the other side of the ball, uh, you're at the top of every team's scouting report, you and David, and it, it in the first half, uh, it became obvious to me that it looked like Oral Roberts was doing uh, doing a lot of the same things with you, throwing the kitchen sink at you last night. When you're on offense and when you're getting that, how do you uh, how do you recognize that? What kind of adjustments do you or did you have to make uh, in game to deal with that effectively? Because I thought as the game went on, your 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 you improved and your ability to to really. Uh, uh, deliver on the offensive side uh, it, uh, increased? Uh, the biggest thing I'll say is a little bit of probably first game jitters, you know, big time environment, uh, big time matchup. Uh, I know Max really well. We worked out together in the offseason. So uh, with everyone back home, you just kind of hear about it. And uh, I was really amped up for the game, as I know he was too. And so uh, probably just came out maybe just forcing a little bit, but uh, I ultimately just wanted to be aggressive out the gate and, you know, just let the chips fall where they may. And uh, I, as I started reading a couple of different coverages and see how they were playing me and leaving some other guys, man, like as the point guard, you've got to give the ball to a guy like John Tanja if he has it rolling like that or Deshaun Thomas uh, if guys are rolling wide open and getting wide open shots, like you have to be willing to make those extra plays. And I feel like everyone on our team did that for one another. And that's why we were able to score so many points because uh, we just kept the ball moving. Uh, guys were playing extremely unselfish. And uh, like in the second half, when we were really able to start getting out and running and executing, man, we were really hard to stop yesterday. Last night, we went with a smaller lineup. Uh, you and Kendall were up top. And then we had John, David, and, and Adam rounding out the starting five. Is this going to be like we've had uh, the last couple of years, kind of the primary starting five? Or was this adjusted specifically for Oral Roberts? Or is it like you were saying earlier that, you know, the next man in is, is something that Coach Medved's going to do with, 
you know, playing the hot hand uh, with that starting five? Uh, I think it more so has to do with uh, with the matchup. Uh, Oral Roberts had a unique style of play. Uh, they have phenomenal spacing, man, when you watch it on film. And they were really able to stretch out a lot of teams' defenses and get a lot of uh, open looks and back cuts. And so uh, Coach Medved felt like it would be best if we went smaller so that way if we needed to switch more frequently, uh, we could do that and be really effective on that end. And then when uh, our bigs like James and Deshaun do come in, they understand the scout report. They understand that they're just as important to our game plan when they come in and give a different look. And so I feel like everyone was really locked in. Uh, I will say that that starting five was probably more for a matchup reason, uh, more so than anything else. And so uh, I'll be interested to see uh, from game to game kind of where that goes. But, uh, yeah, it was probably more so for matchups against Oral Roberts. Hey, Isaiah, you know, you got another you had, uh, two years under your belt, everybody returning from last season. And uh, you've basically – the Rams have gone from a, from a young team to what I'd categorize as a, as a veteran team. But with that in mind – I'd like to hear your perspective on uh, freshman Jalen Lake and where you think he is developmentally compared uh, compared to where you were when uh, you were the voted uh, freshman of the year in the Mountain West Conference. Your thoughts on Jalen? Uh, man, really, really, really hard worker, man. Uh, that, I feel like that's one of the first things that really stood out to me uh, when I started seeing him on campus and getting around him more and more. Uh, just a complete gym rat. Uh, works his tail off each and every day. Uh, extremely coachable. He listens, very cerebral, smart, understands the game. And obviously, as you guys saw yesterday, very talented and skilled with the ball in his hands. And so uh, he'll be able to come in and be an impact for us uh, right away this year, be able to make shots. He's very solid defensively, uh, doesn't gamble, nice n- nice size and wingspan. Uh, and he's coming into a little, uh, not a little bit, but a much different situation uh, than what I came into. And uh, when I was coming in, uh, I was coming into a program that had a lot of guys leave. Uh, he's coming into a program that kind of has a foundation more set that he can learn from. Uh, but before you know it, man, it might be his team. And so uh, he'll be able to learn from a lot of us, but also be able to come in and make plays on his own and learn for himself, you know. And uh, I'm extremely excited to see where his career goes. Were you shocked at all? At uh, I, 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 he obviously has offensive skills, um, but I've been impressed with uh, with where he's at on the defensive side of the ball. Are you are you shocked when freshmen come in and can defend uh, and come in and be that effective right away? Yeah, because uh, one thing that I had to learn was that's probably the most important side of the ball. Uh, there's a lot of high school kids that come in that are talented with the ball in their hands, but. Man, if you really struggle on the defensive end, not necessarily just guarding, but understanding concepts and scouting reports and rotations and different things like that, man, it could be really hard for you to get on the floor. But that's not the case for Jalen. Uh, Jalen is a very smart player. Uh, like I said earlier, very cerebral, understands the game. And he's been able to pick, on, pick up on stuff really quick. And I feel like that's been to his advantage. And that's why he's able to get on the floor, uh, especially in – uh, an opening night game against a big-time opponent. Uh, he checked in pretty quick and also took the assignment of guard Max a couple of possessions, and so I feel like that was big time. So just one final on uh, Jalen with him around and you around. Uh, are you guys proof that the best the best players in the country are from the Dallas area? <laughs> Absolutely. We talk about that all the time in the locker room. You know, everybody uh, wants to rep their respective hometowns and their respective states, but – uh, we got so many Texas guys and three DFW guys. I, I feel like we probably have the upper hand in those arguments. 
So being from being from Dallas Fort Worth, um, what's your go-to barbecue and go-to fried chicken place in in Dallas? Because I go there a lot. My brother-in-law lives there. I'm a babes guy when it comes to uh, to fried chicken, and then man, you can't you really can't miss going to barbecue places. <laughs> Man, uh, my favorite barbecue spot is probably this place called Hard Eight. Uh, it's not too far from the airport. If you ever go back down there, uh, it's really good, man. My dad had put me onto it. I'm a fan. Uh, it's like kind of like they smoke all the barbecue right in front of you, and then you order it, kind of pick it off the grill, kind of format. Uh, and if I had to go with fried chicken, uh, there's a spot down in South Dallas called uh, Sweet Georgia Browns, and that was like a go-to spot growing up, uh, especially on Sundays coming home from church. So, uh, all right, I'm writing these down because I, I <laughs> we just got tickets for the uh Tulsa game, or we okay. just got flights to go, go down there for your uh Tulsa game, uh, in next month. So excited about that! Yep, so hard eight for barbecue and for fried chicken, sweet Georgia Brown. All right, all right, <laughs> you just make Mikey's day <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I love, I'm a foodie. Love talking talking food with all our guests. So yeah, that's awesome. That's a thank you. No, now no. <laughs> we all we all know you know the struggles that happened last year as far as fans and, and not being able to have people in attendance. Um, you know, the kind of the weird setup we had in the Mountain West with back-to-back games on on whether it's at home or back to back on the road. Um so I wasn't able to go to the Adam State game, but I was there last night. How important has it been to to the team to connect with the students and, and the fans uh, by going around the you know the perimeter of the court and, and saying hi to everybody, shaking hands, giving high fives? And is this going to become a tradition going forward? You know, last night, you know, I took took my daughter. Uh, it was her birthday, and, and we didn't make it all the way down. We we, we went down a little bit, and I mean it she was just so excited to see all of you, you know, walking around. And so I just curious on your thoughts on that. And is this something that we're going to see from CSU basketball? Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely a tradition that we plan to continue to uh, have moving forward. Uh, and it's all about the fan engagement, man. Like uh, I've heard a lot about Moby arena in the past. Uh, like I said, I kind of had a small, small taste of it towards the end of my freshman year. And then COVID hit obviously. And so uh, being able to really see Moby at his best, uh, and I feel like last night was probably a great indicator of that. Uh, man, I'm excited just to see what our games could look like moving forward. Uh, I don't know if every game will be like that. I surely hope so. But uh, I think that will definitely be to our benefit just to continue to keep the fans involved, the students involved. And uh, like everyone knows, it's a college town, man. And they want something to get behind and support. And I feel like, uh, we could definitely be the program to do that uh, for a long time. And so I'm excited uh, to continue to build those relationships and those interactions uh, with the fans and the students. Because I feel Moby could definitely be one of the toughest places to play, uh, toughest places to play uh, when it's really rocking like how it was last night. I got I mean, we were talking about it before you joined. You know, that's kind of a top five environment that I've ever been to for a game in Moby. I mean, it was from start to finish, I mean, the fans and, and then just the product, <laughs> you know, what, what you guys were doing on the floor, you know, it, it makes it makes us want to engage. It makes us want to be there as fans. So 
you know, tip of the hat to you, to you guys. And I mean, it was, it was an awesome night. So um, you kind of, you kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, you know, as we move, move on from last night, is there any worry about a possible letdown against Arkansas Pine Bluff on Friday and, and Peru State on Sunday? Uh, I feel like the biggest thing is our coaches don't sugarcoat. Uh, they let us understand that if you don't come out ready to play, uh, we're playing teams that can come out and beat you. Uh, flat out, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff was in a dogfight uh, last night with Creighton, who was a really good opponent, Big East. And uh, they were actually leading for most of the game, uh, kind of just wore down there towards the end. But a really, really tough team. Uh, and they play extremely hard, extremely aggressive. And if we don't come out locked in, they very well could beat us. But I understand how we prepare. I understand how we like to play, how competitive we are. Uh, so it's going to be a tough matchup because uh, I know they're going to bring it, but we are as well. And so uh, I think Friday night will be a fun game. The same for uh, same for Sunday. Uh, we are a lot of teams, uh, big time matchups on the schedule this year. And so uh, we're going to have to be ready to compete each and every night that we step on the floor. Isaiah, we saw a little bit of a coaching staff shake up this offseason with J.R. Blunt and Dave Thorson leaving. We asked Nico about this a few weeks ago when he came on and, you know, how that's kind of changed or enhanced any dynamics within the team. Just curious to get your thoughts on coach coaches Cooley and Jones and what they've, you know, what they've brought to the team and, and what your experience has been with them, you know, being new coaches for you. Uh, I feel like coach Cooley and uh, coach Jones have definitely been uh, big time additions to our program. Obviously I love coach Blunt and coach Thorson. Uh, to death, man. Those are my guys. Uh, I actually talked to them before last night's game, which was super cool for me just to still have that uh, relationship with them. But uh, Coach Cooley and Coach Jones, man, like just personality, uh, basketball IQ, understanding for relationships is just completely off the charts. And uh, it was almost a seamless fit. And I applaud Coach Medved uh, for taking his time picking those coaches. Obviously, we didn't rush through that process, which was big time. Uh, for a lot of the players on the team as well. Uh, and that was, I think, just some big time pickups for us. And uh, they'll be here for a long time, I hope, and uh, we'll be able to continue to get better. Zay, uh, you know, I know uh, a little shift in gears here. Uh, I know the season was a little bit of a disappointment last year, not getting a NCAA bid, not going maybe as far as you guys wanted to go in the NIT. Um, but Obviously, a very good, a very good season uh, overall. But as you as you thought about uh, coming into to this year's season, what kind of uh, goals or what kind of thoughts did you have in terms of individual individual improvement? Uh, and how did that? How did uh, how did you? What did you do in the off season to uh, to maybe achieve those goals or 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 move forward, move your game forward? I know, Coach. Uh, Coach talks about how you and David being the two best players are also probably the two hardest working. I know you probably committed to doing a bunch of things. What are the two or three things you wanted to, two or three areas that you really wanted to improve on? Uh, I would say the biggest one for me uh, was just being in better shape and being able to play, uh, be more effective on the defensive end. Uh, I felt like I was solid on that end, but had one too many lapses looking back at it and, uh, I just wanted to be one of those guys that if I needed to go guard the other team's best player or if another guy gets it going uh, throughout the game, like I can step up and take on that assignment because uh, I know how I am uh, 
competitively, but at the same time, you have to be in shape to be able to do that because I know how much of uh, a responsibility I have on the offensive end, and I didn't want to be just a one-way player because uh, I feel like, you know, <laughs> basketball is not a one-way sport. And so uh, just being in better shape, being stronger, uh, being more explosive, uh, being able to put more pressure on the defenses on the break because uh, I feel like if I can really get it pushed in with my speed and uh, my aggressiveness, then it's going to open up shots for a lot of other people. And then we're all playing at a faster at a faster pace. And so uh, that was probably one of the biggest things for me, just taking that more serious. Uh, and then obviously just slowing down. And I feel like that comes with uh, just playing more and more basketball, just slowing down on my reads and everything. Uh, I feel like at this point, I've probably seen every defense uh, that there is. Uh, to try to stop a guy from making plays for others or scoring. And so now that uh, I feel like I've had a lot of experience seeing all that, I could really just slow down, take my time, and be better off making decisions with the basketball in my hands because, uh, as we all know, I have it in my hands a lot. And so uh, just continuing to be effective that way. Am I, am I crazy? When I, when I watch, it looks to me like a couple of things. Uh, Physically, you look stronger. The whole team does, but it looks, and I, I've had other people comment, boy, Isaiah looks a little bigger and stronger this year. I said, I think so too. But the second thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, has your vertical improved? Because it seems to me when you're shooting, uh, when you're shooting pull-up jumpers, it seems to me you're, you're getting a little higher off the ground. Um, is that true? Or am I just imagining things? <laughs> uh, I think it definitely has improved a little bit uh, over this offseason. That was something that, uh, me and Coach JP wanted to really focus on was just uh, being a little bit more quick twitch, uh, getting off the floor, because I feel like uh, moving forward, sprinting, uh, I was pretty solid in that area, but getting off the floor, being a little bit more explosive was something that we really wanted to focus on. So uh, getting up higher on the jump shots, uh, finish, uh, not a couple, but a lot of them short yesterday. Uh, we'll get a lot of that corrected and, you know, just continuing to be confident in all my abilities and go out there and have fun. Hey, just to follow up one last one last question here um, on uh, related to the team goals. I mean, what what in your mind, what benchmark would would the team need to hit this year for you to be truly happy and consider it a successful season? Is it to win a Mountain West championship? Is it to make the NCAA tournament? Is it to make a run in the NCAA tournament? What do you guys talk about, and what, what's your sense of what would you deem this as a as a really successful season? Uh, man, really everything that we didn't accomplish last year. Uh, we wanted to win a Mountain West Championship last year. That didn't happen. So that's one of our big goals. We wanted to make it to the NCAA tournament last year. That didn't happen. We was very close to doing that. And then obviously, if you do get to the NCAA tournament, why not go on a run? You know, why can't it be Colorado State? Why can't it be the Rams? That's the stuff we talk about all the time. Uh, and so I feel like we have a lot of goals that we really want to hit. But uh it's a one game at a time mentality. Uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself nor the team. Uh, we have to make sure that we're locked in to go one and zero again on Friday night. Well, Isaiah, really good stuff. Uh, anything else from you guys? Yeah, I don't have any more questions. I just want to <laughs> give Isaiah a big thanks to him and the and the rest of the squad for last night's performance. There's nothing better than a large crowd, and there's nothing better than when a team gets. Uh, gets it really going like they did in the second half and you watch a game go from a, a close game to a, a 25 to 30 point game um, that to me I'm getting to be an old man I've seen a lot of basketball since I was 10 years old 
games like yesterday are what keep my blood flowing. And I want to just say thanks for, uh, for what you and the, and the rest of the guys did last night. And I'm looking forward to a few more, just like it in Moby this year. Yes, sir. You know, we, I joked with coach Medved a couple of weeks ago that it was going to be my daughter's birthday and I needed to get her a win for, uh, for her birthday present. So I just want to thank, thank you guys for going out and taking care of business and, and uh, giving her that birthday present. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, what makes you guys great is obviously you're all competitors. You're really good basketball players. You've, you, there's a great product on the, on the court, but I'm telling you the, the, the coaching staff has done such a good job of, of finding guys that are good human beings that, yeah. When you combine everything, the, the good athletics, the, the, the great people that are in the program, it makes it really easy for fans to, to, to want to be surrounding this, this program. So I think you are going to see a lot of Moby Mattis this year, and, and uh, it's going to be a fun ride. So appreciate you, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Have Thank a good you. One. Yes, sir. Y'all too. All right. That was Isaiah Stevens. What a great conversation with a great student athlete. Really good of him to join us right after practice for for a half an hour. So, man, do we we are lucky with the student athletes that we have, not just in the basketball part. I, I think that the makeup of our of our athletic department has got a lot of great student athletes in it. Uh, just good human beings, but uh, definitely highlighted by the basketball guys. Man, they are they are good 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 folks. So, uh, just want to touch up on uh, a touch on a couple football comments here. You know. We lost, uh, we pretty much got whipped by uh, our biggest rival, Wyoming, in the border war this past sun- Saturday. And, uh, you know, I, there were some injuries that made us very thin on defense, but God dang, they're, they're, they're all D1 athletes, right? And in no way in hell should any team put up 400 yards rushing on us. And, and uh, so I just felt it was really embarrassing that the problem with me is I'm not, I sat there and watched this game on Saturday and I didn't really even get mad. You know, so I'm, I'm becoming ambivalent. I'm, I'm finding myself caring less, you know, I don't know if it's a defense mechanisms because I'm so sick of getting mad all the time at football, but it's not a good sign if, you know, fans that are totally invested stop, you know, start, start kind of distancing their feelings here and, and, and stop caring. So, um, you know, and then you got air force coming in here and the way that they run the ball, it could be a very long day, but I wanted to ask actually it'd be a very short day because they'll just chew up the clock. So that is true, but long <laughs> in our uh, emotions. <laughs> so, uh, but you're right that maybe, maybe the shorter game will, will make it easier to pallet, but a lot of people calling for coach Adazio to be fired. I'm on the side of the fence where, man, I, I don't know if it's enough time. You definitely see some red flags that are alarming, but I don't know. I, I kind of agree with what Joe Parker said last week in, in terms of, Turnover in the coaching staffs, you know, this quickly is not good for a program. You know, I kind of agree with that. I, I, I think it there's a good chance it would set you back another couple of years. But the question is, is if, if you know he's not the right coach, you know, are you just delaying the inevitable and setting yourself further down the road, you know, in a, in a worse spot? So where are you guys on the fence of, of do you fire uh, a Steve Adazio at the end of the year here, just two, two seasons in, not even a, not even didn't he have, they had four games in his first season. Curious to hear. Obviously we're not going to make this fire after this weekend. And, and you and I have talked off air and, and through private messages. If, if we get to, if we get to five wins, maybe even four wins, you know, I think that we bring him back. But if we, if we finish out three and nine, 
losing our last six straight games against teams that we shouldn't have, you, you can't afford not to. I mean, look at, I mean, you just look at, look at Arkansas. This was a team that just three years ago we beat. Two years ago we should have beat. And what do they do? They ask their, they fire their coach, hired a new guy, didn't even last a season. They got this guy coming in, two straight. I mean, he has changed this culture in two years. They've had three head coaches in a four-year span, and he has changed the culture and has them bowling, has them as a as strong team in the SEC. Why can't that happen at CSU? You know, it should happen at CSU. And I'm, I, I, you know, and I know that you said I didn't throw him under the bus, and, and, and Joe was on with us last week saying Adazio didn't throw the players under the bus after that Utah State. This team has changed. This team has completely changed since that game. And 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 I'm not saying that we quit because we haven't. The kids kids played hard, and, and, and you still see the emotion, and they want to come out. But there's a difference between playing kind of for yourself and playing for your coach and wanting to win for that. And it does, to me, it doesn't seem like that's where our, our players are at and they can say what they want. And I, and, and I love hearing the passion from passion and, and from McBride and, and from Toddy and, and, and Bailey, who, you know, seems like those are the main guys that talk to the media, giving up 400 yards rushing. That's, that's on, that's on wanting that that's on wanting to make those plays. Even if we're down, down a linebacker if they're down two linebackers and we didn't we haven't done that you know I turned to turn to a friend that first drive against Boise State when we got inside the 10-yard line and and run up the middle run up the middle roll out all in a tight formation nothing happened and we, we kicked the field goal I turned to him and I said that's gonna that's gonna bite us and it's and it did mm -hmm. and I think that you're, you're seeing it now with, with the team. We see an open playbook between the, between the 20s. And then as soon as we get inside the red zone, it's, it's tight formation and no creativity, no imagination, and we're settling for field goals. And I think this team knows it. And it's, it's almost like if we, don't, if we don't score from 30 yards out, we're not going to score a touchdown. Yeah. Steve, if you were athletic director, what are you doing? Well, let, let me, I'm going to take a step back. Uh, I've been, I got upset a few weeks ago when, uh, when they chose to close off the uh, media access uh, before the Boise game as a result of what they thought was overbearing questions regarding the uh, Utah State, the finish of the Utah State game. And quite frankly, um, I think it was a little overbearing, but it would have been real easy for a leader to stand up and say, we're done talking about the Utah State game. We're here to talk about Boise. Let me hear your questions instead of closing things off to the media. I never think it's a good idea, and I don't think it's a good leadership trait to close yourself off from people who are there to basically help your program if you let them help you. So um, I think that was a terrible decision, and I actually think they won't win another game after they chose to do that. We've lost two, and I think we're going to end up losing our last three games. That being said, three and nine, I don't see the leadership, um, and I am, I'll go on record and say um, if you truly have ambition for your football program, 
you need to replace your coach. And it doesn't matter if it's a year, two years, three years. When you see these traits, it's time. And that's where I'm at. Okay. Um, All right. Last comments. Um, Speaking of Joe and man, I, I, I know people took exception to some of his comments during our podcast last week. You know, he made some comments about CSU not having a winning history and, you know, we need to temper our expectations. That's kind of the long and short of kind of what he was saying. But I, I, that, that was the one that was the one comment I had a, an issue with. I mean, the other stuff, I think, got twisted a little bit on social media. You know, he was saying he was saying everything kind of in relation to, look, we need time and, and there it, it, continuity is important. But that one comment where he was basically justifying, hey, we've, we've never really been that good. You know, we need to temper our, our expectations and, you know, be a little more patient. And I think that I think we're all tired of, of trying to display patience because we've been bad in football for way too long. You know, we had one blip under under McElwain in 2014. Other than that, it's been a rough haul. And I think the biggest issue there was not a lot of people were on board with the football coach hire in the first place. And I think all fans kind of were like, OK, let's give them a chance. Uh, but last year was a one in three record um, this year was melted down and uh, we're, we're, we are staring at a potential three and nine. Um, we'll see how this, the rest of the season pans out, but you know, I think that uh, that's really not what you want to hear from your leader. You know, you want him basically to say that this extended period of losing is unacceptable and we're going to fix it. That's all there is to it. Period point blank. That's it. You know, and I, the other part of that is at no other time in CSU history, have we ever invested in the football program the way we are now over the last several years? So even if what Joe is saying has some validity to it, you know, we haven't had a winning tradition historically. It, to me, it doesn't hold water because we've never invested like this. And now we should expect to return our, our investment. You know, they're spending money for coaches. They're spending money on facilities and coaching staffs, you know, to, to pay the assistance with what they should be getting. And we're just not seeing the return. So that, that was where I had the biggest issue, but um, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I, you've seen memes now on, on Twitter and, uh, there's, there's people who've actually pulled out those, some of those quotes and just floated them out there in a JPEG. <laughs> so I don't know, I, I, I almost, I feel bad, you know, because Joe, you know, at the end of the day, he does, we, he comes on our, the show to, to give us honest answers and maybe we caught him off guard. I don't know, but he probably would have liked to reevaluate some of those responses based on how how people have reacted i want to say something uh joel you you and i have been kind of drugged through the mud the last couple of weeks on social media on the board i mean shit I've, I've gotten private messages from people you know we started this we started this back in what was it april of 20 yep when when we had no games, we lost the NCAA tournament. We just lost uh, opening day for baseball, lost the NBA and, and NHL while they should have been gearing up for, for the playoffs. And we decided when everyone was doing these Zoom happy hours and, and you know, virtual hangouts, let's do that and record it. <laughs> you know, this, this is for us to have some fun. We're not we're not those hacks on CNN and, and Fox news that are, you know, out there for gotcha journalism. You yeah. know, we want to have fun with this and, and, and our guests, all of them, they come on here so we could talk CSU. We're fans, you know, we're, we're called cheerleaders, you know, for we're called mouthpieces for the athletic department. 
We are fans. That's what we are. That's why we started this. The three of us know each other because we were fans for CSU on a fan message board. That's how we know each other. That's how we know so many people. We talked about this, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were congratulating you on, on your uh, Larry Lasasso award. You know, we're fans. We broke some pretty good stuff on here. You know, we were the first ones to talk to Anthony Hill. We were the first ones to talk to Trey McBride whenever he decided to come back to, to, to take his name out of the transfer portal. You know, we talked to Joe after all the investigations were over, and he's answered every question we have. We're not going to sit there and badger our guests. We're not going to get on when we have a Bradley Van Pelt join us and say, hey, why did you sprint to the bus when the bus kicked our ass in 2003? You know why? Because we're fans, and we're respectful to our guests, and it just pisses me off that we've gotten so much grief for zero reason, for zero reason over the last two weeks. Hey, I'm as pissed off about the football program as anybody, as anybody, you know, I'm, you know, it's upsetting. I wish we were nine and oh right now and not three and six. We're not. Okay. But I'm not going to sit there and hammer Joe Parker whenever he takes the time to join us and, and, to talk to Ram Nation, to talk to everybody and give candid answers to everything that we ask. I'm not going to sit there and hammer him about that. That and being it, said, we asked him some uncomfortable questions, you know, so. We always have. We so always I mean, have. And we didn't shy away from the questions, right? There, you know, there was, there was someone on Twitter that was saying, well, why didn't you follow up on whatever? And because he, he, there's only so many ways he's going to answer this, that question over and over. We'd heard him say it multiple times. I didn't want to continue to yet to badger him, but anyway, you know, that's, that's the problem that I have. Um, I, I, people can call me out. That's, that's fine. But what, what they don't understand is like you just said, I hate losing as much as any Ram fan. If, if you know me and you guys know me, I don't take it well. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a good loser. I lose my mind. Um, and I, I just, but for me, I don't see the the value or the worth in partaking in some of the rhetoric that's out there. And um, I, yes, criticize, express your discontent, but be better humans in what you say to people. You know that that's my feeling, and that's that's where I fall on the on the issue. You, you don't you don't at Joe Parker and call him an effing idiot or an egghead or whatever these people are calling him, and it's it's relentless too. You know, there's pictures of with him of with a clown nose on. It is that I guess that goes with the territory, right? But I, I just I wish I wish our fan base was a little little more. Uh, I guess we were just better humans when it came to that kind of rhetoric around our own CSU people. So no matter how bad things you get, I just don't, I just don't like that at all. You know? So let me, let me, let me state where I'm coming from on this because um, so I personally like Joe and I'm not going to, I'm not going to rail or rag on him because uh, I actually like Joe. Mm-hmm. Some people think I'm crazy. That's their problem. We, the three uh, of us all do. But yep. you know, the, the, the thing that uh, you guys, I thought it was a fantastic interview you guys are a fan community. You are the best CSU fan community. You're providing a tremendous service with this Ram Nation radio product. And you did a wonderful in-depth interview with CSU's athletic director where he was, he, you asked him tough questions and he honestly tried to answer them to the best of his abilities. And he's sharing things with the fans. 
And whether they like it or not, everybody has an opinion. But that's why you're doing the interview so that you can hear and you can formulate your own opinions. And if you want to be critical of an opinion, that's fine. But don't attack the person, for God's sake. I was very disappointed last night at the game. I saw Jack Graham talking with Joe Parker down on the on the court before the game. I took a picture and took it on Twitter, yeah. and it was just, hey, the two guys are talking, the past and present athletic directors. Yeah. That's the first time I'd seen that happen. Yeah, and you I know that was what? Cool. People were ripping, and it's like I, I just said one thing, be nice, and I wish people would just be nice. I think it's great that they're talking, of course, I failed to mention I my biggest mistake in that tweet was not mentioning that Ginger was there and how much we love mm. Ginger and Baker. Right. right. But, you know, but it's like, you know, why are people like that? And it really bothers me because what you guys are doing uh, for anybody to attack you is just crazy as being, quote, mouthpieces for the athletic department. I think that's nuts. I think your interview was far from being in a mouthpiece. I think you ask tougher questions than anybody does. And uh, I, I think you're doing a tremendous thing for Rams fans, and I wish they were more appreciative. And I will, I would go to my grave on that. Well, you know, I appreciate that, Steve, but I'm yeah. not, we're not looking for sympathy. But, um, you know, we just, we, man, at the end of the day, can we just win some football games? <laughs> maybe, maybe we just make people a little Please. Yeah. But, Finish uh, six and six. Right. <laughs> All right, boys. Um, before we close, you just mentioned, mentioned Ginger Graham and, I uh, want to encourage you all to visit Ginger and Baker. It'll become your favorite place to dine in all four Collins. The drinks and the food and the atmosphere are unparalleled. The cafe is a great restaurant with unbelievable dinners, mac and cheese. I was telling you guys earlier that my wife and my daughter ordered that uh, a few weeks ago at homecoming and it's so good. I ended up eating half of it. The chicken pot pie is delicious. French dip is one of my favorites. And then you got, you got the cash restaurant upstairs, a little more fancy with steaks, chops, it's, it's an unbelievable place, man. I just can't recommend it enough. I know, Steve, you love it. Um, you can already start placing your pie orders for Thanksgiving. Do that and support these guys. Stop on into Ginger and Baker, my favorite restaurant of all of Fort Collins. want to thank you, Michael. Thanks for the time. Steve, thank you for the extended period here. I know we kept you over an hour. and uh, But uh, appreciate you helping set up the, the interview with Isaiah and, and all the coverage you've given us, man. The, the blog is always such a great read. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. It's good to be a Ram. Have a great rest of your week. Go Rams. Go Rams. But didn't pick out. Finally got a call from a 